to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. Hello and welcome back to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand. This is part of the Stoppage Time Soccer Show radio network. We got a big show. We're going to go over all the midweek action uh, before we get to the weekend. This episode should be up Saturday before the Saturday games begin. And we also got a nice, uh, we got our first, uh, we got our second guest ever. We got Todd Lewis of the Free Kick Podcast. It's a Philadelphia Union podcast. He's going to be coming on and talk some of my Philadelphia Union uh, and their March for the Supporter Shield and uh, a little bit of other side business. We got Brendan Aronson from Philadelphia Union going to Red Bull Salzburg, and we're going to talk to him about that. And we're going to talk to him about this whole uh, U- uh, MLS Reserve League and the removal of Philadelphia Union 2 in the USL, and we'll get into that with him as well. But first, let's go through the games. This week, it started all with FC Cincinnati and Columbus Crew. FC Cincinnati on Wednesday beat the Crew 2-1 in a shocking, shocking game. There was a penalty 17 minutes in. Kubo scores for Cincinnati. Another penalty 45 minutes in. Santos scores for the Crew. And then 49 minutes in, Nick Hagelin, the Cincinnati hometown hero, scores in the 49th minute to win the game and throw a wrench into the Supporter Shield standings a little bit. Uh, We also have the Montreal Impact 2, New England Revolution 3. 13 minutes in, Kakuta Mane scores for the Revolution. Teal Bunbury continues his form 20 minutes in with a goal that had to be reviewed from VAR to make it 2-0. 27 minutes in, Sedgwick scores for the impact. 52 minutes in, Buxka scores scores for the Revolution. And 90 minutes in, Tabla scores for the impact. And let me tell you, both of those impact goals uh, assisted by by Kyoto, and he, he looked really good dribbling around and such, so was looking pretty good. Uh, we had Orlando City 1, new NYCFC 1. Chris Mueller uh, scores another goal 18 minutes in. A really great header of a goal there. And then Keaton Park scores 43 minutes in for NYCFC to score in two consecutive games. And uh, 
just a really bad giveaway from Orlando uh, in their own half of the field uh, that created that NYCFC goal. Uh, you know, or- Orlando continuing to be okay. You know, they've they've put in a really good performance in that MLS's back tournament, and uh, they they've put in some good results after that. But there's occasionally they get these little you know a draw here and there, which is all right. You know. Uh, it's a big turnaround from what they were, you know, a year and two ago. Uh, Toronto FC won. New York Red Bulls won. There's a penalty 23 minutes in. Pozuelo scores that one. 77 minutes in, though. <laughs> we're going to keep talking about this kid. Caden Clark scores uh, to equalize for the New York Red Bulls. Uh, this is second game. He scored in his debut. He's only 17. He scored again in this. And actually... It came out that he already has a deal to, I think by 2022, he's going to be over in um, in Le- at Leipzig for Red Bull. So he signed a deal with Red Bull New York, and then he's going to move on to uh, Leipzig. And uh, he scores a rocket well outside the box, almost like top left corner. Beautiful, beautiful goal. Not goal of the week, though. We'll get to that one. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit here about DC United-Philadelphia Union game, but we're also going to talk with Todd Lewis about this. So we won't go too in-depth with this because we'll let Todd speak to some of this. But uh, DC United 2, Philadelphia Union 2, 49 minutes in, uh, Fontana scores. Again, the homegrown player for Philadelphia Union. It was a very sloppy goal. Just very sloppy goal. Um it, you know, I, I would recommend looking it up. It, it's really quite a mess. 71 minutes in, Donovan Pine scores for DC. 75 minutes in, it's a penalty for Assad uh, for DC. And he, you know, so then DC is in the lead at that point. 87 minutes in, Mark McKenzie hits a rocket from outside the box as well. And that's what actually beats Caden Clark for the AT&T goal of the week. Uh, let me say, though, here, you know, so it did take a deflection. Uh, he is a defender, so it's amazing that he even scored that. Um, going back to the penalty, we're going to get with Todd about this as well, but the main thing here is it's a very tough call. I know I talked on Stoppage Time Soccer Show about, well, this is just how they're going to be calling him. If it hits the hand, it's a penalty. Uh, this one, his uh, it hit Bedoya's arm, uh, but Bedoya had his arms close to his body, uh, really near his chest, I don't know where else you're going to put your hand other than behind your back. But at that point, he's already jumping in the air. You can't really like some of this stuff needs common sense. And for some reason, uh, that was still given as a penalty. Probably shouldn't have been a penalty. Um, Like I said, we're going to explore that game just a little bit deeper here in a few minutes. Houston Dynamo 1, Nashville SC 3. 15 minutes in, Mukhtar scores for Nashville 19 minutes in, it's a great header from Donlotti for Nashville. 23 minutes in, Mukhtar hits a fantastic free kick from outside the box. We had some really great goals this week, uh, and that was Mukhtar again to make it 3-0. And then 75 minutes in, Carlos Darwin Quintero scores for the Houston Dynamo to make it 3-1. In the next game here, Inter-Miami CF 1, Atlanta United 1. 80 minutes in, Breck Shea scores against his former side for Miami. Uh, 
I did see something funny on Twitter where somebody was saying if Brexhay scores the winner, they'll quit watching soccer. Uh, well, he didn't score the winner because 83 minutes in, Jake Mulraney scores for Atlanta to make it 1-1. But that game <laughs> really didn't have a lot of action going on. If you watch the highlight package on MLSsoccer.com, the first highlight's like 41 minutes in, I think. Uh, so, uh, Minnesota United versus Chicago Fire was postponed. More COVID issues. Seattle Sounders FC versus Colorado Rapids was postponed. And the Rapids actually have their next two matches postponed. Sunday, October 18th versus Real Salt Lake is now postponed. And Wednesday, October 21st versus SKC is now postponed. Right now, as it stands, still on track, is Saturday, October 24th versus SKC. And I think it's time that MLS starts looking that they might need a bubble for the postseason. Because we... Really, in the past month, we've seen a lot of these games, or last few weeks even, a lot of these games start getting postponed. The Rapids have had like four or five of their games postponed due to COVID. Uh, You know, we saw this with baseball. Once they started really having trouble, they decided they're going to go to a bubble postseason, and that's worked pretty well for them. Um, You know... The NFL is having the same sort of troubles with trying to fit in games. We, you know, the Rapids are not going to be able to make up four games at this point. Like I said, there's a very tight schedule where they have from, you know, where we're playing midweek and weekend, midweek and weekend, all the way till November eighth. There's not enough time to make up four games. They're gonna have to probably go by points per game for some of these. And even some of these games not from Colorado, like Minnesota United versus Chicago Fire, don't know if they're going to have time to make that game up at all. So that might just be some teams finishing with less games played, and they just go by how many points per game you're, you, the team is getting. It's going to be a mess, uh, but you know, we'll take whatever we can get for these playoffs, I think. Uh, FC Dallas won SKC. Nil, 43 minutes in, Hollingshead scores a really great goal for FC Dallas. Uh, Another big upset, Real Salt Lake 2, Portland Timbers 1. Portland Timbers, who was on a really great roll. Uh, 11 minutes in, Martinez scores for RSL. Then 26 minutes in, Krylock scores. He's on fire for RSL. And 77 minutes in, uh, Tuluma scores for Portland to make it 2-1. Vancouver Whitecaps finish 2-1 over LAFC. In another bizarre result, LAFC kind of, like I said before, they're kind of hot and cold at times. They they hit a streak and then they hit a skid. Uh, 30 minutes in, Cavallini scores. 59 minutes in, Cavallini scores for Vancouver. Really good goal on that second one. And then a handball in the box with the arm extended. This one's no doubt about it. Out to Westus kick, uh, steps up, kicks it in for the penalty. 83 minutes in and gives LAFC some hope, but uh, wasn't enough. And then I guess, I don't know if this is really a shocker in this last game of the week, but LA Galaxy 0, San Jose Earthquakes 4. 44 minutes in, Nick Lima scores for San Jose, the U.S. men's national team uh, defender. 52 minutes in, Rio scores for San Jose. 76 minutes in, Tommy Thompson with another great goal, another rocket. Check out that Tommy Thompson goal. Uh, 90 minutes in, Nick Lima scores to put it away. And that was actually more like 90 plus 2 in 3 minutes of stoppage. So, really sealed the deal. LA Galaxy just cannot get 
anything going at all with or without Chicharito uh, on the field. It, it just it isn't happening for them. And I think the coach probably needs to go. The GM definitely needs to go. It, it's, it's a mess. Um, so as I alluded to here before, the MLS USL teams, uh, some of them are leaving the USL. So the MLS is starting a reserve league. This will be their second attempt, right? They have one that went from like 05 to 2013. And according to Jeff Reuter of The Athletic, starts in 2021, this new MLS Reserve League, or, you know, at least it's aiming to, it's mostly going to be a U23 league, you know, for under 23s, and it's supposed to bridge the MLS Next Academy over to the first team. Is this a positive or not? We're going to get into this with Todd as well here, but... I'm not so sure this is a positive. You know, it will be good, of course, if they have a reserve league, but some of these players might need to get loaned out to USL teams because I'm not sure if players like Brendan Aronson uh, and his brother Paxton Aronson, if, if they're going to be able to grow as fast playing against just U23 players compared to playing against uh, USL teams. You know, the USL teams can be really good. Uh you know, they, they, they're not going to be all youth players. They're going to be players that maybe were in MLS and as they got older, moved down to USL or young and up and coming players from, you know, the USL before they make a move to MLS. And that's where it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how this works. I, I would expect that they're still probably going to be, I would think, players that have to move from the academy to U23, maybe loaned out to USL for a season and then make its way to the first team because I think you need that competition. Uh, I don't think you can just play against U23 and then make the jump to the first team. Uh, but I guess we'll see how that goes, and I'll get Todd's opinion on that as we welcome, in it, welcome him in in just a few minutes. Uh, but yes, Philadelphia Union 2, Portland Timbers 2, and Orlando City B are going to be leaving the USL Championship in League 1. Though it does seem like some of the teams are still saying, uh, staying. LA Galaxy 2, you know, they were just in the playoffs. It sounds like they're not moving out of the championship yet. So we'll see how this shakes out. And when the official announcement comes from MLS, Jeff Reuter said it could have came at the end of the week. It's Friday right now when I'm recording this, and there is no announcement yet. So we'll see how it goes. I also alluded to, let's get to Americans Abroad here. Not a lot of stuff going on. There's international break. But Kristen Pulisic is in the squad for the Chelsea match on Saturday. We'll go over his performance if he plays uh, on Tuesday, along with any updates for Gio Reyna or Sergino Des, you know, any of the players abroad, because uh, I'm recording this before they actually play. You'll probably hear this podcast after Pulisic already played for Chelsea, um, but just about timing and stuff like that. Sergino Dest was nominated for the UEFA Golden Boy Award. So that's a pretty, that's, that's pretty big. I don't know if we've ever really, I, mean, I think we may have had Pulisic uh, nominated for that before. I'm not sure, but just cool to keep seeing that, uh, you know, the, the talent of the USA uh, starting to really make a difference uh, on the national and international stages. Uh, Weston McKinney is positive for COVID. So he's now having to, 
uh, you know, quarantine, and we don't know how that'll affect his, uh, you know, the, the Juventus games for him or the Champions League games for him, how long he has to be quarantined. I'm not sure how any of that stuff works out over there. Um, one thing to point out with that is the irony that Juventus made Napoli lose a point and um, as we were talking about in our first episode, I think it was, where Napoli had positives, Juventus took the field anyway, so that way it'd become a forfeit. They got the three points and they also, Napoli got docked a point. And now Juventus now has Ronaldo and McKenney out and it could cause a situation where they kind of get their own, you know, taste of their own medicine. As I said earlier, Brendan Aronson moving to Salzburg, which is a Red Bull affiliate. Uh, Jesse Marsh, the USA uh, coach who used to coach um, uh, New York Red Bulls, is coaching Salzburg. So he's going to have some, you know, like a familiar, uh, you know, kind of face over there. And uh, that's that's for six million dollars up to nine million for incentives and the union are going to get a sell-on clause and we'll dig a little deeper in that with todd as well but uh this is probably a good move for brendan aronson it's good for the union as well they cash in on him they're able to re-put that money into getting either new players or putting it back into the academy if he's if he's successful over there and moves to another team they could get 10 to 20 percent of a sell-on fee and that could help them even more. So, all in all, really good uh, week so far here. And uh, we're going to go ahead here and review or preview the games coming up this weekend. The Union did clinch a playoff spot. Uh, so, Toronto and Philly are clinched for at least the playoffs. So, Saturday, October 17th at 3.30 p.m., Chicago Fire take on Sporting Kansas City. And at 7 o'clock, it's the Montreal Impact versus Inter-Miami CF. Sunday the 18th, Columbus Crew face New York City FC at 7 p.m. Sorry, 6 p.m. 7 p.m., it's New York Red Bulls versus Orlando City. 7.30, it's FC Cincinnati versus DC United. 7.30 again, it's Toronto FC versus Atlanta United. Then it's Minnesota United versus Houston Dynamo at 8 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, the postponed game of the Rapids in Salt Lake, so that will not happen. 10 o'clock, it's the Timbers versus LAFC. Uh, 10.30, it is LA Galaxy versus Vancouver Whitecaps. And at 10.30 as well, it's San Jose Earthquakes versus Seattle Sounders. Those are all on Sunday. And then uh, on Monday, which got this game got moved, New England Revolution versus the Philadelphia Union at 7.30. And that's where we will stop previewing. There is a game on that Tuesday, but we'll save that one for uh, another, probably another day here. Because um, I'm trying to get an episode out on Tuesday. So we'll probably preview that Tuesday game. Um and the Wednesday games and it, there's really like a game every day right now. Uh, so it's kind of difficult to realize when we want to, you know, record and put these up. 
Uh, also, as I mentioned last time, there is a uh, there is the USL playoffs, the USL championship playoffs, and those are on Saturday. So this is the day that it's being uploaded. So if you're just now uh, hearing this, it's Louisville City FC versus St. Louis FC at 7.30 on Saturday the 17th. Tampa Bay Rowdies at 7.30 versus Charleston Battery. Reno 1868 FC versus Phoenix Rising FC at 9 o'clock. And El Paso Locomotive versus New Mexico United at 9.30. It's going to be one of those eight teams that take home the USL Championship trophy. And we'll be covering that league and all of those matches as well on the Tuesday episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break here. And then we're going to welcome in Todd Lewis of the Free Kick Podcast. Hello, we'll get right back to some soccer talk. But you may have heard me talk about my Marvel podcast before. I do want to just give you a little update that we have changed the name of that Marvel podcast because it turns out somebody else also named theirs Marvel Plus. So in order to avoid confusion, I have rebranded and we also just got a nice new commissioned logo uh, that you can find as well. The podcast is now called To the Infinity Saga and Beyond an MCU fan pa- fan podcast. So obviously the name comes from To Infinity and Beyond, but also The Infinity Saga is phase 1 through 3. We're moving beyond that now with phase 4 and the Disney Plus shows. So we'll still talk the Disney Plus shows as they release and we'll also discuss just any Marvel movie news like we have in our first two episodes so far. If you do want to find us, you can find us on our link tree. That's right. We have a link tree that has all of our links and where you can find us. That's link, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E forward slash to infinity saga and beyond. If you want to find us on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash to infinity saga. Facebook, I didn't let me make a username for that one yet, so I don't have a nice handy uh, title for that. No Instagram set up for this yet, maybe. Maybe we will. I don't know. But let's get you back to some more soccer talk. Hello, and we are back from our break, and I have Todd Lewis of the Free Kick Podcast, Philadelphia Union fan podcast. He is also based in Maryland, like I am, Hartford County, represent. Um, How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing excellent, Jordan. I'm, you know, we, we have this try to schedule this i think last week or two weeks ago and everything and like yeah. you said before uh you brought me on is yeah this couldn't have been in a better week to get me on and everything to talk everything philadelphia union and everything so i'm super excited to be on and uh thank you for the opportunity thank you for coming on uh, and thank you for having me on your show earlier uh when was that like right after mls is back or so yeah, i think it was. was right after mls is back maybe after the union got knocked out Nah, yeah, I think it was after uh, the MLS's back tournament because it was like a two-week break and then they kicked off play again. So yeah, I think it was about two weeks after the tournament or something like that. Yeah, what I think was funny too is that uh, for people that don't know, when I was on there, we previewed the New England Revolution game and then <laughs> that's what we're previewing today for for Monday too. So it's kind of like 
every time we talk now, you know, the Union are playing the Revs. Um, I think it's the, <laughs> the fifth time that we play them this season, which is just yeah. crazy. <laughs> it is insane. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts. I talked about this a little bit beforehand, the DC United Philadelphia Union match. Uh, I didn't get to watch this one live, so I had to go back and watch the highlights. I think it was like not much going on in the first half. The highlight package I watched, the first highlights at like 41 minutes in, I think. So, uh, but 49 minutes in, Fontana scores this uh, very odd, uh, messy goal. And then uh, uh, DC takes the lead late with the penalty. Uh, give us your thoughts on that penalty, I guess. I saw some on Twitter, but... Yeah, definitely. Uh, first off, I mean, I, I don't even want to focus on that penalty and everything. I mean, DC, like I said on my show, when I, I reviewed this game a couple of days ago and everything, I said, you know, the, the first goal that DC scored shouldn't have even been a goal because leading up to that corner kick that DC United eventually did and score and everything, there was a foul. Well, not really a foul. It should have been a foul on the box because of a dangerous kick. Uh, the DC United defender almost took off Jack Elliott's head and everything. And you, you see it all the time, a referee when a attack goes in recklessly like that with a high kick and everything, they're going to blow their whistle and call a uh, dead ball and everything, give the opposing team a free kick and everything. It didn't happen. So the ball goes out for a corner. Casper uh, Shabelka knocks it out again for another corner kick. And then the Union just missed a mark and Pines is able to leap up and put the ball in the back of the net. And that, that's one thing I talked about on my show is the Union have really, really struggled this year on corner kicks. And I feel like we talk about that every single year, just... The Union just defending set pieces, they're, they've not been the best. When it's open play and everything, I think they have one of, if not the best, defense in all of MLS. I mean, Jim Curtin comes out and says Mark McKenzie, for his money, is the best center back in all of MLS. And I, I do agree with Jim, not just because I'm a Philadelphia Union fan, but you, you look, this guy's so athletic. This guy is comfortable passing with his left, his right foot of the ball and everything. He's not afraid to dribble at attackers and everything mark mckenzie i've been so impressed by him but for whatever reason like i said just the union anytime a, a team gets a corner kick the union really struggle with that and then the penalty kick yeah man i i, I don't understand what that call was i ali Bedoya never extended his body uh, what's he supposed to do the guy kicks the ball right at his body and everything and ali tries to make his body small and it still hits him in the arm and it's not like he intentionally put his arm out there to make himself bigger and everything. I mean, I think Andre Blake probably would have had that shot covered, but I guess we'll never know since they gave it as a penalty kick. It's just, yeah, VAR, I mean, you, you see it in MLS and not really as bad as the Premier League and everything, but it, yeah. it seems like these people that are controlling VAR just have no clue what a handball is. They, they just don't know what a foul is inside the box and everything, and it's just really, really frustrating that they just seem incompetent of doing their job as a VAR official. And the, the another thing that I brought up on my show is like, uh, I say this all the time. I, I don't blame refs. I'm not one to sit here and say, oh, the ref did this, the ref did that, you know, because to the union's credit, they found a way to come back and tie this game to two. Cause if you're a good team, you're going to find a way back even when the decisions go against you. But the same referee that ref this game against DC United was the same one that ref against the union when we played Montreal at Red Bull arena and the referee gave, uh, the Montreal player, oh, I forget his name. I, I should have had my notes up. They, uh, he gave him a yellow card because of his uh, elbow to Mark McKenzie's head. And Jim Curtin's like, hey, it's an elbow to the head. He's just going berserk on the sideline. And yeah, I, I feel like if Jim wasn't going berserk on the sideline, then 
the referee would never went to VAR, and eventually he did go to VAR, and he's like, oh, yeah, it actually was a elbow to his head. This is an automatic red card. So, yeah, it, it's disappointing that that was given as a penalty. And like, like I said, you know, the Union, good teams, they find a way back and everything. So uh, disappointing that two decisions that shouldn't have been called for DC United went against the Union. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I was talking about it a little bit beforehand earlier that the, you know, I understand by the letter of the law at times, handball, but there's also the issue of, um, the, the issue being that the new handball rule is supposed to be if arms are extended, right? His arms are kind of tucked in and he's jumping up in the air you know, you can't put your arms behind your back while you're jumping mid. Like, it, it throws off your balance. There's just got to be some common sense to some of this stuff as well. No, um, yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, you're right. I mean, I feel like half the time, you know, that call is going to be called, and half the time it's not. I mean, I guess it all depends on the referee and everything. It just it sucks that one of those calls went against the union. And like I said earlier, I mean, at least VAR is not as bad as it is in the Premier League. I mean, it's like every week. You have managers now coming yeah. out. Yeah, that decision went for us and everything, but it shouldn't have been a penalty kick. And uh, man, I mean, VAR, I, I've always been a fan of VAR and everything, but you know, when there's so many balloon calls and everything, or when they should go to VAR and they don't, they don't go to it. I'm like, man, th- this isn't what I want a VAR to be. So hopefully, they can get a hand on it, figure things out and everything. I mean, like I said, MLS, at least it's not as bad as it is in the Premier League, but it's still, when you have this kind of system in place and everything, you want the decisions to be 100% spot on because we, we know refs are human and everything, and they're not going to get the call right all the time. But that's why you have a system like VAR in place to go back and make sure that that call is 100% spot on. And it seems like, like I said, you know, 50 or 50 times, they're either call it or not call it. So it, it is disappointing, but it is what it is. Yeah, what I liked about the MLS's back is when they did that, uh, the transparency of the call in the, uh, you know, where you could hear the VAR ref with them. But I just saw a tweet from Grant Wall this morning that said uh, what he's heard that authorities in Europe of FIFA objected to the MLS airing the transparency, which is why we haven't seen it since on MLS broadcasts as well. But that's just stupid. Uh, it makes everything so much clearer. Um, and at that point, at least then we can kind of understand where, uh, you know, some calls are coming from in all leagues, you know, like if the, uh, with the Premier league, you know, there was huge controversy with the Liverpool Everton Merseyside Derby this morning. And, uh, so it, it's just every day and every week, like you said, uh, then Mark McKenzie, Scores a late equalizer, his first MLS goal. And I believe this one goal of the week over Caden yeah. Clark, right? <laughs> it did, yeah. Barely barely got by Caden uh, uh, Clark of New York Red Bulls, or as I like to call him, the pink house. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a great goal by Mark McKenzie. It took a slight deflection and everything, but you know, you've got to at least tempt that shot and everything because who knows what would have happened if, you know, if he wouldn't have shot it and everything. So right. good looks of Casper to get out of the way and everything. And Mark McKenzie couldn't have struck that ball any better. Yeah, it took a deflection, but for a center back, I mean, what, what, we saw Jacob Glessness against LAFC all the way back in March, which is just like forever ago. It seems like it was years ago. Score that 
crazy goal against LAFC, that knuckleball from 40 yards out and everything. Now yeah, that was the last game before down, too, in MLS. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the funny thing about that is MLS still hasn't given goal of the week for week two of the season. It's like, Have they uh, still not? <laughs> no. It's like, okay, what are you guys doing? Like, everybody knows that nothing's going to top that Right. I'm a center back from 40 yards out, a knuckleball, a dead ball situation. But for whatever reason, MLS is yet to give that goal of the week or just any goal for week two. Yeah, I mean, just like I said, great goal by Mark McKenzie and uh, happy that this team found a way to fight back and just to really show that they still have fight in them and everything. Like I said earlier, you know, two calls went against them, shouldn't have one against them, but right. that's what good teams do. They they find a way back and everything, they push one. Another thing I liked is El Senior. Th- this guy went up, it was like a human wrecking ball, took out like three DC United defenders, jumped up for a header and everything. And that's not how El Senior scores his goal. He scores his yeah. goals by cutting in and everything and just nutmegging people and everything. And to see El Senior going up for a header, that, that that tells you how much that this game meant to these players that they knew that, okay, look, we should not be behind right now. And they gave everything and you got to be proud of them. Yeah. I guess the only downside is it was lining up perfectly for the union with the rest of the results in the league. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, um, uh, with the crew losing to Cincinnati, we could have gained some more ground there. Toronto drawing with Red Bull. I, and, and we're playing against D.C. You know, D.C. is one of the worst teams in the league. But it seems like if they could have just held on to Ben Olsen for a little long, maybe maybe we would have had a, a chance to uh, win the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in credit to D.C. United, because I said this again on my podcast, and uh, I was like, D.C. United, you know, they have nothing to play for this season. They have two yeah. wins everything. Ben Olsen's been there forever, basically ever since D.C. United existed it seems like whether that's a player or a coach yeah they're, they're going to be motivated because like i said they're not going to get in the playoffs but you know what they can do is their teams that are already in the playoffs or are a high seed and everything why not try to knock them off and everything to get them a lower seed and everything so uh, i thought this was a great motivating factor for dc united and uh, i was really impressed by Assad for dc united on my mm-hmm. preview when I previewed this game, I thought Julian Gressel was going to get the start because this is a guy who I said when we played D.C. in Subaru Park the first time this season, this guy was going from left to right, left to right, just constantly switching where he was playing, and that gave the Union a little bit of a problem. And, yeah, Gressel doesn't get the start, but that's exactly what Assad was doing, and this guy picked up five fouls against him, which caused danger for the Union. He had six tackles on the night, so not only was he a threat going forward for D.C. United, but he was tracking back, doing the job defensively, too, and the Union just unfortunately didn't have a way to stop him and everything and uh, scored a <laughs> penalty and everything. And I mean, how many more times can we talk about it? Shouldn't have been a penalty, but uh, he looked <laughs> great for DC United and uh, DC United, they were definitely motivated. And like you said, that first half of the game, it, it was very, very boring. Nothing really going. Andre Blake came up with two very, very big saves, which, you know, without Andre Blake, where would we be this season? I mean, he's won us so many points this season. I'm so happy mm-hmm. to see Andre Blake be back, back. and form. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we haven't seen Andre Blake play this well since 2016 when he won uh, Goalkeeper of the Year, and so I'm happy to see Andre Blake get back to the way that we know he's capable of playing. All right, let's talk a little bit about the standings. Uh, I haven't gone over these yet uh, on the show yet, but Eastern... Uh, conference Toronto with 38 points they've clinched the playoffs the Union now have clinched the playoffs with 35 points 
out of 18 games. Then Crew are in third with 31. Orlando in fourth with 31 on the east. Um, and the west, we got Seattle up top with 30. Portland in second with 30. SKC with 29. And LAFC for 24 points. Is this a case of, I mean, is this really the first time in a while that the Eastern Conference is the, probably the better conference out of these two? Yeah, I, 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 it's weird looking at it, right? Because it is. we always know every single year that it's always a Western Conference team that are like blowing teams out and everything. Just they're so far ahead on points compared to what the East is at and everything. And now it looks like to win that uh, the Shield, it's going to be somebody from the Eastern Conference, which... Yeah, the top four teams in the Shield are uh, Eastern. Yeah, Yeah, so, I mean, it would take a miracle for all these teams to drop points and everything, and somebody from out west to come in, uh, just finish with a best record. I don't see it happening. And, I mean, I I look at LAFC, where they've been without Diego Rossi. They've been without Brian Fernandez because of call-ups. Carlos Mm -hmm. Vela didn't go to MLS's back tournament. Then, as soon as play resumed, back in their home markets, he got injured, missing some time, and... Yeah, LAFC, I mean, when you miss your three crew, uh, not clue, uh, you miss your three high-paid players, your your three key players and everything, yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard to get results and everything. And, yeah, I'm not really surprised seeing LAFC play as bad as they play because that's the three best players and everything, and they haven't been here for, it seems like, half of the season, whether it's injuries or, like I said, going away to international duty and having to quarantine. Yep. And Portland and Seattle, I mean, they're, they're always there and everything, but... No, I, I expected them to have a little bit more points. I mean, we saw Portland win the whole MLS's back tournament down in Orlando. Yep. They really, really good down in Orlando and everything. And to see them not continue that high, hot form that they had down in Orlando, a uh, little bit surprising, especially since, you know, teams are back in their home market. And I'm not sure if Portland have fans or not and everything, but just still. I don't think be, so. Being with your family and everything being in a place that you're comfortable being and everything. I mean, you, you think you would be settled there a lot better than you were Daniel in Orlando. So, yeah, it is a little bit uh, confusing just to see the Eastern Conference just do as well as they've been doing this season compared to what the West is. And I guess uh, to some Western teams' conf- um, credit is I think Colorado's had four or five games now canceled and everything. So the yeah, four, yeah, four or five yeah. have uh, looked a little off and everything and, I, I guess that's why the points really aren't there for some of these teams. But even then, I mean, just the Eastern Conference, the, these guys have been playing really, really well throughout the whole season, especially those top four teams in the Union, Toronto, Columbus, and Orlando. And uh, that that might be the biggest surprise for everybody in MLS's season is how well Orlando's playing. But, you yeah. know, uh, it's amazing. I called what- that, though, didn't I? Yeah, I called that on your show. <laughs> I think you did. Um, but it's amazing when you get an actual head coach that knows what they're doing and everything. Yep. Uh, he'll work wonders on your team and everything. So, uh, so let's talk a little bit about Sunday's game that you went to, right? Uh, Montreal versus Philadelphia Union it was the first time the Union had had fans at all, right? Because we we had had two away games at the beginning of the season before COVID, so we never had uh, opener with fans until Sunday. What was it like there? Uh, it was only like two thousand some people, right? Yeah, and I know, I think it was like 2,700 people that were allowed in the stadium, so that counted towards the players for the ref, okay. 
for the staff and everything. So not just fans and everything that included everybody that was inside the stadium. So I, uh, I, I don't think it was 2000 fans and everything. If it was, it didn't seem like it. I, I think the rain probably kept some people away and everything yeah. it was our first game back, but you know, driving up to the stadium, it was, the game was on a Sunday and I was like, it's raining. Yeah. And I'm getting uh, playoff vibes against the pink cows and everything, even though, you know, it doesn't have the same implications. How's that that game? Yeah. Yeah, that the pink cow game had and everything. And we're not going to have this place sold out and everything like we did for the playoff game. But I was like, yeah, it's like almost been one year since we won our first playoff game ever in team history. It's raining again. Like, this this feels awful, awfully uh, familiar and yeah, getting inside the stadium, I mean, it, it was awesome sitting in the river ends where I always sit, which if people aren't aware with that, that's where the Sons of Ben sit, and Keystone Ultras sit and everything. That's to the back of you is obviously the river and everything. And uh, yeah, it was awesome and everything. It sucked that it, it wasn't as a social distancing and everything, but right. all, all the fans that showed up and everything, they were loud, they were proud. Uh, like I said on my show, the, the one thing that I would change, though, is it, it seems like because... If you're not familiar with Subaru Park, behind the goal, either side, they're the cheapest tickets in the stadium and everything. And I feel like a lot of times when people buy tickets and everything, they're doing it just because it's the cheapest tickets. And it's credit, you know, they're they're standing and everything, but they're not really singing the songs and everything. So I'm like, man, most people here are singing songs, but people to my left, to my right, they're like, what is going on? And, And it's like credit to the people that were singing and everything you you would hope you know people that sit down there would participate in everything in the songs to give the players you know that support behind the goal to make the opposing team you know intimidated and everything but yeah it was great i felt completely safe and everything going into the stadium they took our temperatures before we went in then they uh used the wand to make sure we didn't have anything on us and then you scan your tickets and then you walk into your seats and everything and I don't have to shake hands of everybody. Everybody had the mask on, but one person I saw. But, you know, if somebody didn't have the mask on, they they were told within, like, 30 seconds by whether fans or staff and everything, hey, put your mask on in. Yeah, there was no problems. People listened and everything. Any of the high-touch areas at the concession stands, they constantly had people there wiping down and everything. So now that, that was good to see. I, I think the union are definitely taking distancing just the safety of the fans and the players and the staff just very, very serious. And that's why I bought the remaining home game tickets and everything because I feel like the union are doing a good job keeping everybody safe. And that's all you can do is just your best job. And I thought that everything they had in place and everything just I was comfortable and uh, didn't think anything of it. Like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to get COVID and everything because the union aren't doing this and they're not doing this or somebody's not wearing their mask. Nah, pe- people listen and everything. And I think that's major reason why they're allowing fans to come back to the stadium is because people listen and everything and the union obviously feel that everything that they did was good enough to keep players fans staff safe and everything and uh, hopefully people continue to uh, follow the rules yeah uh, so how did you get tickets then was it just like you had did you have to go online or did you have to contact a ticket rep that you had dealt Uh, with before so the so i'm a season ticket member and so okay Ticket members, they got priority over tickets first before the general public. So the way they they did it was they gave time slots to people that were the OG ticket members from 2010. They got to pick, I think, at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. Okay. It just went in priority what year you bought your tickets and everything. So I think I 
got my tickets around 12 o'clock, I think. And yeah, most of the seats were pretty much packed and everything filled out by the time the tickets went on the general public because it went season ticket. Then it went out to the general public. You were only allowed to get a maximum four tickets. And mm. the union were like, yeah, if you don't get tickets and everything, we're not going to hold this against you for next season, for your season tickets. We're not going to take them away and everything. Don't feel right. like you have to come if you don't feel safe. And so then for the remaining three home games that the union have this season, instead of giving time slots to when you got your season tickets, they just put all the season tickets, I think it was on Wednesday. They said, okay, you guys can get your tickets at 1 p.m., doesn't matter when you got your season tickets. And yeah, that that was crazy. The River End sold out <laughs> very, very, very fast. Uh, I couldn't even get on the website because there was so much traffic on the website. Luckily, mm. I gave my sister my login information and uh, she was able to get River End. And uh, then after the season tickets got their tickets, then single day tickets for season ticket members went on sale on Thursday, I think it was. And then Friday, yeah, there was like barely any tickets left uh, on Friday for the general public. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's cool and everything. Just, you know, seeing people be excited to go out to these games and yeah. everything. And uh, a lot better because I don't know about you or any of your listeners, but anytime, like, you, you got a pre-sale code to go to a concert and everything, it's like, man, you, you, you're starting to freak out and everything because you know you're going against all these other people and you're going against all these uh, people that are not interested in going to the concert and everything. They're just buying tickets. Scalpers. So for double the price and everything but yeah none of that happened with the union and i was like okay this is a uh, very refreshing this is i i don't have to worry now and everything because like i said being a season ticket member i got priority over everybody else and they limited to four maximum tickets for season ticket members so yeah that's how i did it just got to log on got a code and everything since i'm a season ticket member got my tickets and then and eventually went out to the season uh i mean the general public See, I haven't had that problem with concert tickets, but I've had that problem with uh, Star Wars merchandise. Mm. So, those are the places, you know, like, especially some of these places don't have limits on stuff. So you get all the eBay scalpers who go yeah. to the store, buy the merch, and then flip it uh, on eBay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this Brendan Aronson news that broke on Thursday? Friday? Was it Friday? Yeah, Friday. Yeah, it was uh, on a Friday, which uh, I guess we probably should have seen this coming because anytime the union have had a major announcement, it's always come on a Friday and everything. But yeah, uh, we've, we've known since September that mm -hmm. Brendan Aronson was getting sold to Salzburg. It was just, okay, we don't know our price. We don't know when it's going to be official. And uh, the union surprised us, said Friday, here we go. Brendan Aronson is sold. You're seeing all the journalists that cover the team reporting yeah. this. You see ESPN reporting it. You, you see Tom Brugert of mls.com reporting on this you're like oh wow like it's actually happened like we all knew that brendan aronson when he was getting sold he was staying with the union for the end of the season just the one thing on everybody's mind was how much is brendan aronson going for and yeah i, I really uh I, I have thought about this so this is my first time actually talking about this not on my show i haven't had the chance yet so uh, all your listeners you a practice run yeah out there exactly <laughs> and i i came out and said i was like Holy cow, what a deal by Ernst Tenner. I mean, he got $6 million up front for Brendan Aronson. Yeah. Then he got $3 million extra if Brendan hits his, uh, what are those, oh man, uh, incentives. And apparently Tom Berger said that they're very, very achievable. So if that is the case, that could be an extra $3 million going to the union. And then on top of that, 
the union got between a 10 to 20% sell-on clause, which I thought if the union are getting anything higher than $5 million and then they're getting a whole bunch of incentives if Brendan hits some extra money, there's no way that they're getting a sell-on clause. But for Ernst Tanner to be able to get all of that plus the sell-on clause, like, wow, what a deal. Like, the union definitely didn't get screwed. I feel like Salzburg didn't get screwed because this is a guy that fits their system. We've heard Jesse March, if people have been paying attention to his interviews that he's been giving about Brendan Aronson, he says, yeah, he fits our system. He's going to play in one of the two tens that we play with. We really do see Brendan Aronson as a number 10, even though, you know, Brendan Aronson's dad's come out and say, yeah, he's not really a natural number 10. He's more of an eight, eight and a half and everything. So to hear Jesse March say, yeah, no, the union are playing him as a 10. We think that he is an actual number 10. They're going to give him that chance. Yeah, I mean, just what what a deal the union got, what a deal that Salzburg got. They didn't overpay. The union didn't get shafted it down out of money and everything. And I thought it was interesting, too, that Jim Curtin, if people watched that whole press conference, Jim Curtin was like, you know, could we have held out for more money from another team? And yeah, we could have, which is, you know, I, I feel like some fans are going to be like, oh, why didn't you do that? But Jim Curtin came out and said, we're not selling players just to sell them to get money. We're selling them so they can develop that. We know the team we're selling them to, they're going to continue their development, that they're actually going to get playing time. And that's why they thought so highly of Salzburg that, yeah, they gave us good money, but they're also going to play Brendan. They're really good at developing young players. Look at Holland, look at Mane, look at Keita, look at Minamino, and yep. I can keep going on and on and on. They they constantly have young players coming through their squad. They stay there for two years, three years maybe, and then they get sold off to a bigger team and everything. And so, yeah, Brendan Aronson, this, in my opinion, this isn't going to be his only stop staying at Salzburg. If he impresses within two years, I mean, he's only 19 years old. And that is so young to go get your start over in Europe and everything. He signed a contract until 2025, I believe it was, with Salzburg. Yeah, 2025. He'll be 24 years old by the time that contract ends. And that is so young still. You you haven't even hit the prime of your career. So if Brendan does what he needs to do, if Salzburg can get the best out of Brendan like the Union have been, there's no reason why I can't see the Union getting even more money in the future for Brendan Aronson. And yeah, I was like... Okay, serious question. When are we building a statue for Ernst Tanner? Because the work <laughs> that this guy's done for the Philadelphia Union since he's been here has been unbelievable. Every single transfer that he's had, he's hit on. And, I mean, you can argue the Marco Fabian transfer. You can argue the Andrew Vuitton. But other than that, this guy is finding diamonds in the rough. This guy is, you know, getting us players that are helping contribute right away that none of us have heard about. And... I know there's rumors out there that Kai Wagner could be let go of at the end of the season, whether that's sold or his contract's up. I mean, there's a guy who, if he does have one more year, by the way, that is one thing I hate about MLS is you never know how long players sign contracts for. Yeah. But we have seen with Ernst Tanner, usually the signings he makes are a two-year deal plus a third-year option. So hopefully that is the case with Kai Wagner. But Ernst Tanner, he's buying players that didn't really cut it in Europe and everything, but they're young young enough where they can come and kickstart their career here in MLS, and then they impress in MLS, and they can get another chance over in Europe. And I think that's exactly what he did with Kai Wagner, which, like I said, there's rumors out there that Kai's gone after this season, which I wouldn't be surprised about. And if we could double the profit on Kai Wagner, I'd be super-duper happy. I think we paid like $300,000 for him. So if we get 600000 plus, it's a great deal. And 
we all know left backs are hard to come by. And in my opinion, Kai Wagner is the best left back, if not the second best left back in MLS. So just going back to Brendan Aronson, I just, man, just what a deal by the union. And Ernst said, yeah, this isn't going to be the last player. And I know a lot of fans. And at first I was thinking, yes, this is $6 million to go through by whoever we want. This can go towards transfers. But I think realistically, maybe $2 million of that deal is only going to go through to buy players and everything. Cause you got to figure with teams really not making a profit this year in MLS, th- some of that money is going to go ahead and recruit the money that the union lost this season. And some of it, I think is going to be invested back into the Academy because Ernst even came yeah, out and said, we, we've spent millions upon millions of dollars in this Academy. And, you know, we want to sell these players to make the Academy worth it and everything. And they just did it with Brendan Aronson and got a ton of money and everything. And, they're do it with Mark McKenzie. I feel like here sooner or later, who knows where he'll go. I know that there's been reports of Celtic and everything, but if you sell Brendan Aronson, Mark McKenzie, and there's also reports Sergio Santos could potentially get sold to a Chilean club. And then if you sell Kai Wagner, now you've got serious money that you've already invested that money into your losses you took as a club. Then you invested some of that money into the Academy, but you sell those other three players that I just talked about. Now you're going to get serious money to invest into the squad, whether that's more into recruitment, recruit, recruit, ah, man, I can't even say recruitment or going to be going towards actual transfers. So uh, I'm super excited that the union got a good amount of money for Brendan Aronson that, you know, who who knows what this team is going to look like next year. I'm a little bit scared to be honest, but let's finish out the season first and, Super excited that Brendan's finishing out the season with the union, and hopefully we can lift at least one trophy. Here's a quote from Brendan Aronson. He wanted to go to a club that he could develop more at and get stronger as a player and where he's going to be challenged, and he thinks that Salzburg was the perfect place for him. Uh, he said that there were some other high-profile teams in Germany looking at him, but he just he didn't want to jump to those big teams yet. You know, He didn't want to make the mistake that, like, you know, Matt Miazga made, <laughs> you know, where he goes to Chelsea, which I'm a Chelsea fan, but he, he's never going to play for Chelsea. He's going to keep getting loaned out to either Red or wherever he's going. And uh, at least with Salzburg, you're able to uh, have a shot of playing. Also, you have the American coach connection, so there's not going to be that bias against American players um, that we sometimes see. Um but yeah, so if if Brendan Aronson is six million plus three million add-ons, how much is McKenzie going to get worth? Because I remember before them trying to say Celtic, you know, people were trying to say like Celtic should get him for a million dollars, but uh, that's not happening now. Yeah, absolutely not. And Ernst Tinner actually even came out and answered that. I was reading a report by Jeff Carlisle of ESPN.com, and he said, yeah, those numbers that were floated around for like one, 1.2 million for Mark McKenzie, we were never going to entertain that offer. That's right. way low and everything. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy we actually have a sporting director that comes out and squashes fake reports right away. And he has no problem talking about, yeah, this is the team we're talking to. Yeah, this is how long we've been talking to them about. Yeah, this is... They they gave us a good amount of money and everything. So I feel like so many times in soccer, you have sporting director that ducks those kind of questions when Mark McKenzie's like, nope, we're not entertaining that. Yeah, we're talking to a club, but that's such a low ball number and everything. We're not. Now you've got to come back with a better offer. And 
I think probably Mark McKenzie is the union's best player, like I talked about uh, earlier on, that Jim Curtin's come out and said he's the best center back in the league. I can definitely see the argument for that. This guy, like I said, so athletic. He's comfortable with his left or right foot. And I I said if we sell Mark McKenzie, it's going to be for $1 to $1.5 million plus a sell-on clause. But to be fair, I did say Brendan Aronson four to four point five million max for him plus a sell-on clause. So yeah, right. my expectations got exceeded for Brendan Aronson. And with, with Mark McKenzie, I think he's oh man, I should have this up. I think he's is he nineteen or is he twenty? Uh, I I know. Let me check. Yeah, while you do that, uh, so if he's a little bit older than Brendan Aronson, I don't think that it's going to be six million dollars and everything. I could see. Four to four point five million now, maybe for Mike McKenzie, because let's face it, attacking players are always going for more money than what defenders are going for and everything. Yeah, and he's twenty one. Twenty. Okay, so yeah, he's even older than I thought he was. So I think we definitely won't see Mark McKenzie go for six million dollars just because he's twenty one and this will be his first time going to Europe and everything. And usually, when you want to go to Europe, like Brendan Aronson said in his press conference, you want to go there at a young age. And so with Mark McKenzie already being 21 years old, yeah, that's still plenty young and everything. But when you look at Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, when you look at Gia Reyna, these guys, when they went to Europe, they were not even 20 years old yet and everything. So with Mark going there at 21 years old, yeah, that's going to weigh in how much Union can get for him. But definitely not that 1 to 1.5. I can see, like I said, probably 4 to 4.5 plus a sell-on clause. And if Celtic really want him, come out, play the money. You, You guys... Playing the Champions League, it seems, every year, you're getting a good amount of money for playing in yeah. the Champions League. I don't know how much money you get for winning the Scottish Premier League, but, you know, it's not like you guys are broke. So if you guys really want Mark McKenzie, which, by the way, Celtic are really good at developing defenders and everything. So if he does go to Celtic, I think that would be a great move for Mark McKenzie to go ahead and stay there for a couple of years and then make the move to some team in the Premier League or Germany or wherever. So... Uh, definitely not as much as Brendan Aronson, like I said. I think four to four point five million is a fair number, but again, I think fans are going to be upset with that. But you got to factor yeah. in like, the age. Yeah, good points. How much can Paxton go for if he's Ooh. better than Brendan? <laughs> Ten million? Yeah, Paxton's what seventeen, I think he is. And yeah, he's seventeen I- right now. And so I was actually thinking about this yesterday at work. I was like, man, we got six million dollars up front for Brendan Aronson. If Paxton's really as well everybody's saying he's better than brendan especially yeah. at this age uh why not double that for 12 million million and then add all these selling clauses and everything and you add the incentives so i, I don't know Let, let's see brendan play with the first team first before we yeah. start talking about how much yeah maybe he, i could definitely see him following the same path that brendan followed stay with the union for two years, and then go to another team. Maybe Salzburg comes out and says, yeah, Brendan impressed for us so much. How about you give us Aronson brothers? So. Yeah, right after they ship him out, they bring they bring Paxton in. <laughs> that would be great. It would. Um, so we did have some other news real quick. The uh, MLS is supposed to be coming out uh, sometime. Jeff Reuter said it's supposed to be sometime this week. I think that they're supposed to announce this reserve league, but I don't think they've officially announced it. They haven't done it yet. But uh, it sounds like Union are removing their Philadelphia Union 2, which was formerly Bethlehem Steel, out of USL Championship. Portland Timbers 2 coming out of the championship. And Orlando City B leaving League 1. 
and that we're starting a reserve league. You know, we used to have a reserve league back in like 05 to 2013, I think it was. And um, it's supposed to be a bridge between the MLS Next Academy to the first team, this, you know, U23 type reserve. What are your thoughts on this? Because I feel like for me, I don't know how much this is actually going to help. I think it's nice to have it, but I think players like Paxton, if we're looking at Paxton or Brendan when he was on there, they still have to be competition i think to to really develop and not all these other under 23 players uh on a reserve league no i i agree with you spot on and i talked about this briefly on my show and i said it makes sense and everything why the union why mls teams are starting to distance themselves from the usl because uh, i was reading that uh report by Jeff Reuter of The Athletic, and I think he said all the MLS uh, MLS teams that had second teams in USL think they paid a little over $2 million to be in USL and everything. So it makes sense to me, you know, if MLS comes out and creates, well, not if, they are, because it's just a matter of, okay, when they officially announce it, they don't have to pay that money and everything. They can control the competition and everything. They can have control of every aspect of this competition. And my biggest concern, like you've already said, is the competition. Now it's going to be a U23 league, and you're going to be playing against players that are no older than 23 years old. But you look at players like Jack McGlynn, Paxson Aronson, Nate Harriel. These guys are the future for the Philadelphia Union, and they're going against professional soccer players in the USL. Maybe right. not top-tier MLS players, but they're going against players that have been pros for two, three, four, however many years of a like pro. Former, like former like, Union player Hopano. He, he's yeah. playing in the USL, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you got players that are 25-plus playing in this league. Like, yeah. yeah, they weren't good enough to kick it in MLS, which is fine and everything. You're still playing professional soccer. But they're, they're, they're getting experience playing against these guys who have been pros for just such a long time and everything. And now... Yeah, it sucks. You know, a lot of people said, yeah, they, they stopped watching Union 2 because, oh, they were getting blown out every game. It wasn't enjoyable. And I get it. Being a former player, not a professional player playing in high school. I, yeah, it wasn't always fun getting blown out and everything. But, you know, I ultimately do believe playing against better competition is only going to help you get better. And Ernst Tenner said just as much when he came out and said, yeah, we don't care about wins, losses in the second team. All we care about is developing our players. And now right. with the union leaving USL to go play in this U23 league and everything, I'm not not really sure how good the competition is going to be. I know in, in that report by Jeff Reuter, he said some GMs are like, oh, yeah, the, the competition's still going to be good and everything. But how, how true is that going to be, really, when you look and you see none of these players have been professionals before, where they're coming out of the academy and everything, and they're just used to playing against academy players, not players that have had experiences playing as professional players and i get it you know we saw what was a month ago i think mls next was announced which is a competition for academies and everything and then the whole idea is for players to go through the mls next to go to this mls reserves league to eventually hopefully break into an mls team and everything so i get it and everything and i'm sure this new league is probably going to help cut down on costs travel costs and everything but yeah my, my biggest thing is how how well is the competition going to be? I'm not I'm not really sure it's going to be that competitive, but uh, maybe we'll all be surprised when this league kicks back up, and maybe we'll be shocked. 
Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, even over in like England and stuff, they have these reserve leagues, the U23, but a lot of their promising youngsters are going to go on loan playing against those professional players. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they can still work that out somehow. Um, but I guess let's get to uh, previewing this New England Revolution game. Uh, the Revs actually had just uh, just beat Montreal Impact, yep. who the Union had just beat as well. Um, uh, Kakuta Mane and Buxa looked pretty good, and Bunbury has been scoring quite a bit recently. Uh, are you at all worried about this? I think that we've we've been pretty good against the Revs this year. We have, and you bring up a good point, so I've not yet watched the Impact game, and um, spoiler alert for anybody that wants to go ahead and check out my podcast, I'm trying to get Charlie Davies, former Philadelphia Union player, to come onto the podcast to talk about this game uh, before Monday and everything, so hopefully uh, Charlie can get back to me and we can uh, talk about New England and the Philadelphia Union, but just looking at New England's last five games, they've won three games, they've lost once, and they've also drawn one. But in those five games, they play three clean sheets. And New England, I mean, just under Bruce Arena, they've been so, so good defensively. Now, I know yeah. you look at this most recent game against Montreal, they gave up two goals and everything. You're like, well, that's not good defensively. But still, like, minus that game, okay, you have three clean sheets in four games. Now, that's really, really good. I know Bai's been excellent, the right back for New England. Bootner, former Manchester United player, has been great for New England out there on the left. Uh, you go ahead and look at Pharrell as the center back. I mean, th- they've got really good pieces back there in the defensive half for New England. Matt Turner, I think if it wasn't for Andre Blake, would probably be the best goalkeeper in MLS. I mean, yeah. Andre Blake's been playing as well as anybody, as well as he's ever played before. But Matt Turner is right up there, too. This guy, uh, I think there were some reports earlier that, oh, maybe maybe he can potentially be gone to New England and everything. And... I had Brad Feldman, who's a commentator on the New England side of things on my podcast, uh, whenever we played New England last and everything. And he's like, you know, I, I would hate to lose Matt Turner, but he's good enough where he could go ahead and play in in Europe and everything. And I think he's 26, 27 years old, so that'd be a late start over to Europe. But goalkeepers, we know they can play well into the 40s. And just to see Matt Turner perform well last season when he got the nod to starting goal for New England, and then he gets the starting spot this season, and he hasn't looked back. And, yeah, some of the saves he's been making have been very, very impressive, in my opinion. And like you said, Bunbury's been getting hot for New England. And the one thing I find fascinating about that is we've seen Teal play as a striker for New England over the years and everything, but Bruce Arena's been playing him out on the wing, and that's been doing Teal Bunbury really, really well, in my opinion. He's been doing a good job getting one-on-one with op- uh, opposition, and he's been sending in great deliveries into Busca, who, at first, you know, it's like, oh, man, this guy's not adjusting to MLS, but as of late, this guy's scoring goals, getting assists, making great runs for New England. And, yeah, you, you said the Philadelphia Union have had New England's number here as of late, but just... 17 wins, yeah. 7 oh. losses, 6 draws. Yeah, I mean... Union lead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's been dominating. It's not been a rivalry at all when the Union have dominated. But when, when you see a team as often as the Union have New England this season, I think, like I said, this is the fifth time they've met. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to continue to win and get results. So 
If the Union lost this game, I wouldn't be surprised just because how well these two teams play against each other and the Union have come out on top every single time these guys have played, it seems like. So if the Union lost, I wouldn't be surprised and everything. I wouldn't get too worried about it. It's just like you, you look in the NFL, and I know this is a soccer podcast, but when you have a team that beat somebody twice in the division and then they go ahead and play that team for a third time in the playoffs, right? at times they're not going to beat that team three times and everything. So for the Union to play as well as they have against New England, uh, to do it again for a fifth time, I... I I, I don't know. It'd be uh, I'd love it to see them. Okay, it's like okay, the Union just know how to beat New England. They know how to beat Bruce Arena. He doesn't know how to beat the Union. But I'd be shocked. I'd really would if the Union were able to beat New England again. And these are two just really good defensive teams. I really like uh, Matt Polster in the midfield for New England because you know he's not a flashy player and everything. He's a glue guy. He'll get the job done and everything, and he really dictates the flow of things for New England there in the midfield. And I know Gustavo Bowes, their big hype player and everything, who hasn't really impressed me as of late, but we know what he's capable of. All he needs is one chance, and he'll make a team play and everything. So uh, I, I'm i not even going to give a score prediction because I really haven't thought about it too, too hard. But like I said, I mean, if New England wins this game, I wouldn't be surprised just because the Union have come out on top the last four games so all right and before we get you out of here chances the union win the supporter shield man what a tough question <laughs> well for, for the union to do that i mean they, they need to beat new england and then they have toronto at home so it's very very possible that the union go on and win it because if they win out their games and everything then they win the shield but how likely is that? Man, I don't know. Like I said, this New England game is going to be very, very tough. Um, and then you got Toronto, you got Chicago in there, you got Columbus, you go to Columbus again. Uh, you play New England yet again. It's the last day, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's possible. Like I said, it's a lot easier said than done. Win out. You, you're the supporters year old winner. But, uh, man, not to get my hopes up, I'm, I'm going to say they don't do it just because... I feel you. Uh, you don't want to. You don't want to put that in the universe. Yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> I, I don't think they'll do it if they do it. Great and everything, but uh, I will say, if they win the supporter shield and they don't win MLS Cup, then I'm going to be disappointed. Even though you know it is our first trophy in team history, but I would much rather win the uh, MLS Cup as compared to the supporter shield. Now I get it. Any anybody that's listening to this podcast, anywhere else in the world, you know, if you had the most wins, the most points, you're automatically the champion. That's not how it works here in uh, America. That's not how it works in MLS because uh, you got to be American. You always got to have playoffs and everything. And uh, Well, also, uh, there's uh, just an unbalanced schedule, yeah, you know, so it doesn't really count as much as it does overseas. Yeah, that, that too. And so I'd be happy with the Shield, but I'd much rather not win the Shield and win MLS Cup. But uh, so short answer, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think they'll do it. All right, well, thanks for coming on, Todd. Why don't you give us your socials? Like, where can people follow you? Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks again, Jordan, for letting me on. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Sorry if I went a little bit over and everything. But like you said, you know, we had a lot to talk about. And yeah. uh, what a perfect week for it to happen this week. And so and if you've enjoyed listening to Jordan and I talk, you can go ahead and check out my podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at FreeKickPod. Uh, go ahead and check out the website, thefreekick.com. I don't write articles as much as I would like to. Actually, I probably haven't 
written one since June, I think it was. But, you know, I upload all my podcasts on there. You can learn a little bit more about the podcast, how it got to start. And uh, if you don't want to download the podcast there, you can go ahead and find the podcast on iTunes. Tw- uh, I'm going to say Twitter. iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast by searching The Free Kick. Todd Lewis and uh, it'll come up and uh, you can't miss it but uh, thanks again Jordan for having me come on to the podcast had a blast talking about the Philadelphia Union and uh, it feels you know, good not having to prepare and everything and uh, <laughs> notes and everything preparing for my show which you know I will be doing after I get off of here for that New England game but uh, I had a blast Jordan and thank you so much no problem thank you it was, I felt the same way when I was on your show I was like this is so weird being the guest and not the host <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Todd. And that was Todd Lewis from the Free Kick Podcast. And that wraps up our show. If you want to follow us, you can reach us on Twitter at Stoppage Show. Or if you want to contact the Stateside Soccer Show specific Twitter, it's at Stateside Show. Uh, we're on Instagram at Stoppage Time Soccer Show, Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. You can email us at Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com. And uh, have a great rest of your week. We'll be here Tuesday recapping all of the weekend action. See you next time. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.